Acts of the Blood God. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey, and with me today is my co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello! And as always, we will be talking about RPGs big and small, Eastern, Western, everywhere from around the world, because we love them. It's we our do. favorite genre. They're we so want great. to marry them. <laughs> uh, maybe not marry them. <laughs> that would be a little weird, Nadia. Don't be weird. Polygamous marriage. <laughs> Uh, Axel Blood God may or may not support polygamous marriage, but anyway, moving on. Uh, we we have a lot of stuff to cover this week, Nadia. Lots and lots of stuff. We're going to be covering <laughs> the final actual reveal of the NX. Yes, and it's um it's got an interesting name, the Nintendo Switch. Uh, yes, uh, the uh BDSM <laughs> jokes yeah. are already being made <laughs> as we speak. Spoiler: so I made a few. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite one was uh I wonder if there will be a DNS variant because uh there already has been a Nintendo DS. Maybe Nintendo's trying to tell us something. Yeah, Nintendo was saying gaming really is for everybody at everybody. any time. So let's see. We've already done let's see BDSM and polygamy. Um uh, this episode's going to get an explicit rating before we're done here. Anyway, this is going to be a very uh, interesting episode. Yes, it's going to be a very interesting episode. People aren't going to get are are going to get what they weren't bargaining for. But <laughs> one thing you may be bargaining for is World of Final Fantasy. The demo is out. We're also going to be talking about the Pokemon Sun and Moon demo. Mm-hmm. And we're going to finish with an underrated RPG pitch. But of course, the <laughs> we'll we'll get started immediately with. The big news, the news that as of this recording had come out maybe just a few hours ago, the Nintendo NX has finally been revealed. It's been called the Nintendo Switch, and it is everything that we were expecting. Pretty it much. is a hybrid uh, portable console that can also be plugged into the television. Nadia, initial thoughts? Uh, as you say, there, there's not a lot of surprises there. Um, I was kind of unsure whether or not the TV thing would be a factor. It is, and I'm glad it is. Uh, it's funny, though, as I said in my impressions, which at this point you can read on US Gamer if you haven't already. Um, it was a very predictable trailer uh, reveal, but it was also kind of exciting, too. Yeah. Uh, what excited you about it? Uh, I guess the fact that, wow, it exists in our universe. This is a tangible thing. <laughs> that was number one. <laughs> Not only that, but that it was what we were expecting and that it also looked pretty cool. It did. And um, something else I mentioned uh, in our impressions, which will go up later at the time of this recording, uh, they're just going by social media, there seems to be very little confusion about what this is and what it does, whereas the Wii U left a lot of people baffled. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, when the Wii U came out, it was like, oh, what the heck? Like, there's, Okay, so there's a giant tablet thing that's connected to this to this console. Okay, um, what can you do with this thing? All right, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I was actually at the reveal um, at E3 in 2011 for the Wii U. So was I. Uh, I think we, we passed uh, ships, unfortunately. What? We yep. didn't actually... That's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, we should mention that Nadia and I have been in the industry for like roughly a decade at this point. Yes, about a decade. And somehow never actually managed to meet in person. Goodness gracious. Hopefully this is going to change at some point in the near future. <laughs> it really needs to. 
it really does but in any case yeah so i I remember the audience was fairly impressed by it Uh um and when i uh actually got to play the thing at e3 that year i was like oh yeah okay I, i like this tablet um who knew that the tablet would actually age extremely poorly yeah um, yeah which is unfortunate sorry sorry we you apologists i i just don't think the tablet the tablet like really killed that system unfortunately yeah from this angle uh frankly the the switch seems like what the wii u should have been all those years ago it's still maybe. a great idea but it just really needed a lot of refinement yeah maybe they could have done it five years ago but would it have been totally unwieldy i'm not sure yeah, I mean, just considering how much technology the cost has gone down, uh, we just still don't know how much this is going to cost, how much the Switch is going to cost, but I'm hoping it's not anywhere uh, above the 350 mark. I'm betting if it were done five years ago, the battery life would have been horrible. Oh, God. We already, we're already worried about it because of the, uh, the Tegra processor. Well, if it's six or seven hours, then it's fine. That's um, really not too bad. I've heard some complaints about that, but uh, six or seven hours, that'll do me. Yeah, for like four hours, that that's a problem. Yeah, um, but that'll get me through a plane ride. Yeah, that's that's mostly mostly what you need. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and if I have a battery extender, like they just need to make sure to release a battery extender, which makes me wonder, like, will they have a way to externally charge this thing without plugging into a dock? I assume they must, because uh, otherwise you wouldn't be able to bring it on trips with you, because you're certainly yeah. not going to bring the whole dock with you. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm hoping that's the case. But I. Uh, I, one thing that I was really worried about was the form factor. Um, I was extremely concerned that the, the the new Nintendo Switch would just be bulky and kind of ugly and embarrassing to play, kind of like the Wii U gamepad, yes. which um, wasn't great. And I, based on what I've seen from the the ad, it looks like a, a tablet, yeah. sort of, with buttons. Yeah, and basically. I think that's kind of all we were expecting, right? I mean, it looks great. The screen looks fine. Um, I, I feel kind of a big sigh of relief on that front. Yeah, I agree. It definitely looks very tablet-ish with some uh, controller attachments. and It doesn't look stupid. That, that's, that's the main thing. No one's going to be kind of looking at you out of the side of their eye as you're playing with this thing on the train. I like that you can... It has a little stand that you can kind of yes. set it up. And if you like are like, I am going to play with a pro controller, you can just bring a pro controller with you and uh-huh. start playing with it. Does it have a touchscreen? It looks like it has a touchscreen. Uh, yeah, I've heard um, not any official uh, announcements, but yes, I've been hearing that there, there, are t- there is a touchscreen. And in this day and age, it would, make a lot of, it would not make any sense whatsoever to not have a touchscreen. Well, kids wouldn't know what to do with it. They'd be exactly. like, uh, what, what is, why, not, why doesn't it work when I touch it? I, I don't understand. Yeah. But. But some of the games revealed for its launch. Uh, one was a big RPG, a <laughs> big yeah. RPG of our acquaintance, Skyrim. Yeah, uh, just a little game you probably never heard of. Not impressed? Uh, for Skyrim? Yeah. I, I am totally pro Skyrim on the go. So I, yeah. I'm pretty impressed. Uh, yeah, portable. I had the, the portability is such a huge selling point for this console, right? It is. I mean, we've had stuff like the Nvidia Shield in the past. Was it called the Shield? I, it's I the Shield, yeah. Yeah, that have been portable gaming devices on this level, but it's never really had the support. Yeah, it's and... always been like a nice, little, an interesting little piece of hardware. But uh, um, disclosure: I used to write about uh, a lot of Nvidia. Uh, software in the day and yeah mm. it just never really had the support behind it that nintendo will have 
it didn't have the support and it was kind of more of a curiosity than anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fact that you can, that this is a full-blown console that you can plug into your TV and take on the go, like that is just like tremendously exciting. And I I already wrote about this in my, I I already wrote about this earlier. I've talked about this on the podcast, but this is a giant deal for Japan in particular. Yes, absolutely. Um, Because, well, I mean, portability has just completely taken over Japan in the past decade or so. Mm -hmm. Um, The PS4 is okay, but it's kind of a, like, kind of a niche offering, right? Right. And the Wii U never really took off, uh, to my understanding, over there. Whereas uh, even the Vita has, and the DS, the 3DS have both done very well for themselves over in Japan. Mm-hmm. And people like, I mean, it's just the culture, right? You have a portable game system, you bring it to work, you bring it to school. Afterward, you get together with your friends and you play Monster Hunter at the local McDonald's or something. Yeah, and uh, I, you can probably verify this for me, Kat. I've heard that most Japanese households have one TV and it's really kind of considered rude to hog it. So that kind well, of well, they're small. Like yeah. a lot of families like live in these little apartments. I mean, they they also have houses and everything, but yeah, there's often just not enough space for a console. Mm-hmm. And maybe things have changed since I was there, but I, I think that they were there was even more pressure uh, once you hit a certain age to ditch the console because right. you're an responsible adult now and you're not allowed to play video games and frivolous things for kids. So, <laughs> but you can kind of do it, it on the that slide. That it difficult to justify owning a console for a yeah. lot of people. Yeah, that's a good who point. Who are kids. Um, one, thing, one thing that Nintendo is definitely going to run into <coughs> is that the um, their handhelds are now considered to be for kids. Mm-hmm. Like young kids, like... The idea being that you play your console, or you, you play a Nintendo handheld when you're very young, and then you graduate to mobile phones. Right. Once you hit like middle school or high school. And there's a growing generation gap between the people like, you know, the adults, the 30-somethings, the 40-somethings who will play the 3DS or whatever on the train, and then the kids who only play on mobile phones because that's what all their friends are playing on. Right. But on the flip side, Monster Hunter has freaking sold like 3 million units. So <laughs> I think it'll be fine, right? Yeah, I, I'm very curious to see how this does in Japan. But I think a Nintendo name there still goes a long way. I do. And not only that, but th- I mean, this is such a no-brainer for Nintendo because this is the first time that they can bring their like true one of their true killer apps to bear mm-hmm. on the console market, which is Pokemon. Like... All, all this time, Pokemon has never, like, the, the, the console games have always been, like, weird side projects. Like, the, the closest we ever really got to a true Pokemon game on console was Pokemon Coliseum back in 2003, and even then it was kind of underwhelming. Yeah. This will be a real Pokemon game on console. It's going to look good. Mm-hmm. It's going to be portable. Mm-hmm. It's not going to sacrifice anything. Uh, this is and it's going to sell millions. It's going to be a killer app for the platform, and it's going to move a lot of units, and that's a big deal. And if they're releasing a Pokemon game every year, which they which they generally do, mm-hmm. uh, that means they're not going to have a gap in software, or at least they're going to have smaller gaps in software than they have in the past. The same goes for Monster Hunter, right? Yeah. And you have to think that if. With the 3DS, like, kind of, like, on the decline, the Vita definitely very much on the decline, that the developers who have traditionally, like, focused on those systems 
we'll move over to the Nintendo uh, Switch and we will have a nice little steady stream of Japanese games to bolster the library. Yes. So that's exciting, right? Yeah, uh, that's another thing I'm going to be writing uh, for US gamers, what this means for uh, JRPGs. And yeah. I think it means only good things. I mean, it's it's great enough to see that Skyrim is coming, but of course, that's not really JRPG. So, but um, I mean, heck, one of my favorite experiences this year has been Dragon Quest Seven, and that's a portable RPG. So bring it on, I say. Well, Dragon Quest Eleven uh, was was Dragon Quest Eleven confirmed for uh, the Nintendo Switch at any point? I, I feel like it was. Initially, I feel like it was. Yeah, but um, I, I think I, if I had to bet money on it, I'd say sure. So yes, good times. So here are some uh, early partners that have been confirmed for the Switch. Uh, that might jump out to RPG fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Atlas. Yes, good. Okay, so Persona 5 uh, port, anybody? Yeah, um, sure. Why not? Yeah, portable Persona 5. Yes, please. <laughs> Goodbye, Cat. It was nice knowing you. Yeah, uh, you're, you just never, you won't need to see me ever again. <laughs> Bethesda, obviously, because mm-hmm. of Skyrim. Uh, portable Skyrim, yes, please. Yes. I mean, that's the kind of game that I could totally see myself playing on the go. Mm-hmm, me too. Uh, a, I mean, it's such a time-consuming game, and it's the kind of this is the perfect game to break out on a plane, right? Yes. I mean, it it's not a game that you have to think about too hard. Like it's a relaxing game. No, it's very much an international flight game, uh, especially since, as you say, you don't have to think about it very hard. Uh, you just follow your quests, or you follow nothing at all. And um, just you, you, it's a very relaxing game. You're right. I'd like to just kind of go up in the mountains and listen to the music. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see it supporting mods, but probably I mean, maybe the portability will be enough to sell it. Yeah, it could it could? But who knows? It maybe it will support mods. That would be a very interesting twist. Here's another uh, developer for you from software. Oh, them? Huh, what have they ever done? Dark Souls on the go. Yes, yes. please. Yep. Though actually, no, uh, Dark Souls is not the kind of game I would play. Because <laughs> you'd end up things. screaming on the plane in frustration. I mean, it would be fine, like on the TV and everything, um, like playing with a gamepad. But mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily like playing on that kind of cramped screen. Would not be ideal for me. Yeah. Um, I. So, but we'll see. And not only that, but like From Software seems to be moving away from Dark Souls a little bit, and Bloodborne is a Sony exclusive. So. Who knows? For all we know, from so- like uh, uh, Miyazaki was talking about how he wants From Software to go to smaller, smaller games, quirkier mm-hmm. games again. And so, like the next thing we know, like arm- we're just getting a steady stream of Armored Core games for the, <laughs> for the Nintendo Switch, and people are like, "Really? Uh, I would actually be excited for an Armored Core game because I'm a fan of that series." Didn't he also say he wanted to do something like kind of more colorful and cheerful? So um, who knows? Maybe that's all. That's why for the NX. Switch. Maybe. Here's another par- partner, Level 5. Yeah, yeah, yep, I'm looking forward to that. Yokai Watch uh, is a go, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not dead yet. No, it's still a little kicking. Yep. Uh, Tokyo RPG Factory, uh, whatever they put out next. Um, so a lot of the names of oh, Square Enix, of course. No, of course. Well. So a lot of the names that you're kind of expecting to see on this list will be supporting the Nintendo Switch, which is... Exciting. Um, so here's where I get a little skeptical. Uh, we've been down this road before, Nadia. Mm-hmm. And in the past, um, Nintendo has come out 
kind of guns blazing with their new consoles and they're like well look at all this third-party support that we have mm-hmm. at launch and oh look we're bringing a triple a game over to our our system it's uh skyrim and or in the case of the wii u is Bar- batman arkham city and then all of that support dries up pretty much immediately are you afraid of that happening again nadia Yes and no. Um, As I recall, Arkham City, by the time it came out for the Wii U and the time it was released for the other consoles, wasn't there quite a gap there? I don't. So there was at least a. It might have been as long as uh, several months. Yeah, and and Skyrim Remastered is due out at the end of October, and and the NX. God damn it. (laughs) The Switch is due (laughs) out. Just call it the NX. Everybody knows what you're talking about. (laughs) The Switch is due out um, sometime in March. So that's that's a, a. There's still a waiting period, but it's a short one and here's the here's the kicker with even with like old triple a games on the switch we are talking about real actual portability here we are not talking about you know you can maybe take this little tablet thing into the can if you're lucky and i think that is a big sell even if you're even if you're replaying a game that like like skyrim remastered yeah in in the past nintendo platforms have proven to be kind of like the the kitty console right yes um, like a lot of people don't like to hear that but no it's very it's, it's very true i remember they, being in, in college and being mocked for wanting a gamecube oh it has a handle it's purple well that's the funny thing is that the gamecube was more powerful than the playstation 2 but it didn't really matter it didn't matter exactly it sold horribly it did not look cool form factor is as opposed to the xbox which was like god what what the heck was even going on with that thing it was such a monster it was so ugly it was so ugly oh my goodness so ugly i still can't look at it without laughing remember the xbox is huge god those jokes i i I remember a penny arcade comic where it was like a freaking space station yeah (laughs) they were like carrying the controllers around like it was you know like a suitcase or something to this day i can't hold on to the duke we are we are handing we're giving Gabe an Xbox controller, or we are switching out Gabe's Xbox controller with a real bear. Can you tell the <laughs> difference? Oh wow, I really like the form factor on this new controller. Oh, uh, we kid Xbox. Um, I bought. I ended up getting on the Xbox 360 train. I was very much on the Xbox 360 train. I, I'm actually warming to my Xbox One now. Yes, yeah, so. I, I like my Xbox One. I like the, uh, the controllers are a huge improvement. Kudos there. <laughs> Oh no, the Xbox One uh, controller is by far the best controller that you're going to find. I, I think it's miles better than the PS4 controller. Sorry, PS4 people, but uh, <laughs> just like the Xbox One Elite is such a good controller. Mm-hmm, and I love that how long it retains its charge, the whole nine yards. But anyway, that that's neither here nor there. Uh, the Switch, I think that another thing that I'm a little worried about is that it will, in fact, prove to be underpowered. Um, yeah, Um that's something else I wrote about today. Uh, here's something I, I mentioned. Um, you will notice that the, the games that we saw in the trailer, yeah, it was Splatoon, it was Mario, and at first glance, and something Jeremy said was, hey, are these just all Wii U ports of like the games we had? But then you look into it, and it's like, no, they are all new games, although Splatoon, I think, is still up in the air. Um, so what we have here are a bunch of Nintendo-made games that look like um, the Wii U games of the previous generation. But then when you think about like how okay skyrim remastered you know it, it's not exactly a uh, a light resource game and uh, neither is i think that was nba 2k 17 
Yeah, it looks like NBA 2K, yeah. And I think specifically the reasons why Nintendo showed us those games, except to say, you know, hey, third-party support, woohoo, was to show, hey, you know, we may be, we may prefer this kind of lighter, more colorful style, but this system that we're coming out with, even though it is portable, it is capable of pushing the envelope as far as graphics go. Well, it better be, because if it can't even match up to the Xbox One and the PS4, that's actually a problem. Yeah, that will be a problem, but uh, yeah. that's definitely it. We'll have to wait and see what happens thing. Yeah, uh, the, I mean, it's, if it if it can't like reach up to that level, then developers just aren't going to put games on it, mm-hmm. and we will get be right back to where we kind of were in the past, which is just developers not supporting it, like large gaps in games, and then it's just a massive problem for it. And I'm not sure that Japanese developers would be enough to fill that content gap. Um, yeah. On top of Nintendo. But going by the rumor mill, uh, developers seem very happy with the NX. So um, let's hopefully that's a good sign. Yeah, let's hope. And, you know, we are also at a point where, like, high power graphics aren't necessarily everything. I mean, so many of the best games that have come out this year could have run on the freaking Super Nintendo for. Seriously? For, I mean, just look at Stardew Valley as a great example. Um, and if we can just, if we can get those games. Um, Available on the Wii U eShop, sorry, the <laughs> Switch eShop <laughs> at the same time as they're coming out on the PS4 and the Xbox One and they're portable. That's a big deal. Like, I'm, yeah. I would be very excited for that. Uh, something else I brought up is uh, as far as Nintendo's development, as far as Nintendo's games for the Wii U go, there is nothing wrong with how they look. Uh, Paper Mario Color Splash, it is just outright gorgeous. And I was mm. stunned by how good it looks. So I really think there's still so much more the Wii U could have done with his graphics that Nintendo never got a chance to really tap into and that's why they're saying hey we're doing this again for at least this the earliest days or weeks or months of the Switch's life. Yeah so there are a few things that Nintendo definitely has to get right out right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Needs a strong launch lineup as oh, usual. Yes. Uh, it needs a much better UI than the Wii U had. Uh, oh, God, the yes. Wii U was so slow uh-huh, at still launch. Is. It, it was terrible. Yes. And it uh it, and it needs to well and you need to be able to charge it outside of the dock. I don't think that's going to be a problem. Yeah. And beyond that, you know, like I I I think that it actually maybe they have learned their lessons. Maybe they will hit it kind of pretty hard coming out of the gate. And if that ends up being the case that oh, they need to get the price point right. Yes. <laughs> if yes. this thing's 500 bucks, it's a problem. Yes, absolutely. Well, what would what would be a good price point for you? Uh, ideally, uh, I would three fifty USD. Uh, actually, zero USD would be, would be <laughs> ideal, but I could deal with three fifty. I think four hundred bucks is probably going to be possibly four fifty is going to be about about what it's going to what we can expect. Um, if it's it's four hundred bucks, I think that's kind of the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. I think so, <laughs> uh, but going higher than that is really a risk. But, of course, they kind of learned a hard lesson with the 3DS, so I don't see them going higher than they need to. So outside of Pokemon and, like, Monster Hunter, Persona 5, uh, what would you, what RPGs would you like to see on this thing? Dragon Quest. <laughs> of course you want to <laughs> see Dragon Quest. <laughs> you should have said, aside from Dragon Quest. Uh, I'd like to see um, Final Fantasy, of course. And what I'd really like to see, and I really hope it happens, and it probably won't, I'd really like to see like all of the SNES classics come to the virtual console equivalent they have. 
Mm. Come on, I really want Delusion of Gaia. I really want Terra Enigma. I really do, is Soul Blazer even on there on the Wii nope. U? Come on, Nintendo, give, throw me a bone here. I mean, if you have the Wii Virtual Console, which I mean, you can just go through the Wii Virtual thingy. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go get like Final Fantasy VI. You can go get um, a Chrono Trigger. I think it has Final Fantasy IVs on there too. Yeah, it, like is. it has a lot of like classic RPGs, and the emulation is really good. So, yeah, but I, I still I mean, want. You're like, not totally screwed on that front. No, not totally screwed, but I don't want to be screwed at all. I want to be screwless. <laughs> she does not want to be screwed, people. Exactly. Come on. Explicit rating. Um, <laughs> the Nintendo 3DS. Uh, uh, one thing that I will say that I'm excited is that I've kind of gotten. I've, I've kind of become tired of the 3DS screen. Yes. Um, I have a 3DS XL, new 3DS XL or whatever, and it's it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like screen, the screen is fine. It, it looks pretty decent, but I don't actually think Super Nintendo games look all that great on it. Yeah, they don't. They they're kind of dark. I had a they're problem. Dark. Playing... Yeah, like, they're kind of small. Yeah, like I had a problem playing Castlevania Four on there, and it's like I love that game. I know it inside out, and it's like I'm squinting at it. Yeah, exactly. So I. Would be really excited to be playing on what looks like an excellent screen. Mm-hmm. It for looks this. very crisp and nice. Yes, it looks excellent. So, and then of course, like you have the the little attachable dongles. I mean, that's really cool. <laughs> like I, you pull out, and it's kind of like a the Wii, like the return of the nunchuck. It's really interesting. Yeah, and like I'll be honest, I, I liked playing with the nunchuck as long as the game was suited for it. Like I really liked playing with it with Zelda, uh, not Skyward Sword so much, but. Uh, Twilight Princess, because mm-hmm. um, when I sit like that, my cat can sit on my lap as I game. You know, it's very. Does it convenient. look like motion controls are back? With no, no, no. I, I hope not. But uh, just the fact that I could. Just... Because if they were, then the nunchuck controller would actually be really good for first-person shooters. Yeah, I guess it would. Now that you mention it. Yeah, that was one of the things with the Wii was that it had so much promise as a first-person shooter console, but because it was so weak, like Lol. like that promise never really materialized, but. Uh, like, as a proof of concept, like, it worked really well with uh, Metroid Prime uh, yeah, 3. Yeah, it did. And Metroid Prime in general, like, I was a huge fan of that setup. So, so as for other RPGs that I wouldn't mind seeing, I, I guess all of the usual suspects. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing a Super Robot Wars on this thing. I'm sure. Uh, not Mostly because of the really nice screen. Uh, but I also wouldn't mind new RPGs coming out for it. Sure. I wouldn't mind. Uh, it would be really nice if Bethesda supported it beyond Skyrim. Yeah, I would really like to see that. I. It would be really nice if, say, Witcher 3 got ported to this thing. Yeah, I. you know what? I still haven't had a chance to play that, and that might finally be my kick in the butt. And when certain Steam RPGs, like, say, Wasteland 3, mm-hmm. um, inevitably get ported to console, if they mm-hmm. do, I would absolutely like to see those appearing on the Nintendo Switch as well. Oh, and I don't know if you caught uh, the tweet because it happened just recently, but Image Informed said they're already developing for the uh, the Switch. Oh, okay, that's really interesting. So yeah, let's hope a, a new uh, SteamWorld heist or SteamWorld dig. I'm down with that. SteamWorld something or other. SteamWorld something or other. I, I'm fine with that. If it has the right. If it's able to port a lot of PC games over to it, I think that will help the content gap immensely. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But we will see if Nintendo ends up learning their lessons. Um, as for portable RPGs on this thing, 
Yes, please. I think RPGs have always been a tremendous fit for handhelds, especially turn-based RPGs. They really have. Just because, I mean, they are the kind of games that are, like, thoughtful. Um, the kind of games that you can play in short bursts and then put away. Mm-hmm. The kind of game that you want to curl up on in your armchair with like a cup of tea and your headphones and just, like, enjoy as opposed to having the surround sound experience and all that stuff. Yeah, in fact, I'm actually kind of jealous of you because you have Dragon Quest Builders on Vita, and Mm -hmm. I really wish I had Dragon Quest Builders on Vita because it's such an intensive game, and I just have to share the TV, and you get off the console, and this and that, and I just like the pick-up-and-go aspect of RPGs. Yeah, Persona 4 Golden was just brilliant on the the PlayStation Vita. (laughs) I've said five billion times. And the same goes for Pokemon. Uh, Mm -hmm. I actually anticipate that I will spend a lot more time with the Nintendo Switch in my hands than in the actual dock because I will. There are just times when I don't want to sit in front of my television. Absolutely. And uh, the Nintendo Switch will accommodate that. Yeah, absolutely. I I am actually kind of unreasonably excited for this, Nadia. Yeah, so am I. Um, but although I don't think our excitement's unreasonable, not at this point. Um, I, I, it's it's a very it was a very solid reveal, and even though we didn't get any huge surprises, that was perfectly okay. Yeah, every time I think of a game now, I'll go, and it's portable. Yeah, <laughs> that's legitimately exciting, right? Um, I, I am so I, exci- I am so excited for for portable Zelda. I really wanted to like Vita Remote Play, but between the input lag and the and just the fact that it was really tethered to the PS4. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the lack of an L2, R2 just killed it. Yeah, that's one thing that does worry me about the uh, the controls for the um, the Switch. Of course, you can get the Pro Controller that's coming out. But uh, does the the kind of the docked controllers, I'm not too sure about that button layout. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if there is there an L2 and R2? I couldn't even see. Yeah, I couldn't make it out. But if they don't do that, that's going to be a giant problem. Yeah, come on, Nintendo. have a consistent button layout. Mm-hmm. Like, not having those shoulder buttons, like, destroyed so many games. Sports games, driving games. Mm-hmm. Like, games, basically, that need all of the buttons. Like, there are many games that need all of the buttons, and Nintendo shouldn't forget that. Yes, absolutely. Don't screw this up, Nintendo. <laughs> Please don't Especially, screw it I have been waiting for a console that I can play FIFA on portably for a while now. Um, the Vita wasn't it, ultimately, <laughs> unfortunately, because not only was the the port of FIFA that EA put out kind of um, uh, not as good as the console <laughs> version, to say the least, uh, it was badly hampered by that stupid rear touchpad. Like, really? It was just so stupid. that. What was it uh, doing? Well, you were supposed to use that to shoot. Really? Yeah, it was not it was not great. No thank and, you. And well, one of the things is that I I won't get too deep into this, but promise, but like FIFA like you use the shoulder buttons mm-hmm. to to run <laughs> to uh do certain kind of shot modifiers and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you have to really like mess around with the the buttons if you don't have the shoulder buttons and that killed it for a lot of people. Right. So Having L2R2 is a bigger deal than it looks, but you know, I think that the floor of this system's potential is kind of becoming the Vita. Yeah, and uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's bad in the sense of it would be an extremely niche uh, platform, 
but good in the sense that Japanese developers would continue to support it. Mm-hmm. And like we would be getting a lot of interesting and quirky games that we wouldn't necessarily be able to get on the PS4 or Xbox One, which would continue to give it its place in the ecosystem. Yeah, and uh, with Nintendo's marketing um, and just its name in general, I could see them actually supporting the um, the uh, NX more than they did more than Sony did the Vita. It just seemed like Sony didn't really support the Vita nearly as much as it should have. No, absolutely not. So I don't see Nintendo pulling that. that. This almost the second it came out, (laughs) whoops, we dropped it. Like Sony just threw it down the memory hole. It's embarrassing. (laughs) Sony does things like that, but Nintendo doesn't so much, except for systems like the Virtual Boy, which deserve to go down the memory hole. Yeah, so. Virtual Boy like was so embarrassing that Nintendo forgot that it existed for a while on purpose. <laughs> Whoopsie doopsie. The Virtual Boy will always be maybe like one of the most heartbreaking things that I've ever seen. I never uh, even put my face in one, and I don't plan to anytime soon. They had one over at Super Potato over in Japan. <laughs> It it was broken the last time I checked. I am so surprised at that. It gave me it gave me a lot of headaches. But <laughs> one thing that I can say is that I firmly believe that the Nintendo Switch will be the king of JRPGs going forward. Yes, and that will be a big deal for a good segment of the population, including us. It'll be a, I think it'll be a small deal for you and I, but you know, no big <laughs> no big thing. The question I think at the end of the day is. Will it attract Western developers as well? And if it does, then we have something potentially really special on our hands. I think I think it will, because the 3DS, um, even though it wasn't nearly as popular as the DS, uh, it still had its fair share of, of Western developers on board. Like who? Uh, like Joe and Jack, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of many uh, Nintendo 3DS Western developers. Um, it used to be that on the D- DS and the GBA, like, these Western developers like THQ would come in and like put all the licensed games on them. Yeah. Now they just do it all for mobile games. Yeah. That, that There are definitely less trash games on uh, the 3DS than there were on the GBA and especially the DS. So there is that. SteamWorld Heist is in Japanese. So there's that. There you go. All right. So if you want to read more about the Nintendo Switch, God knows we have a lot of content over on the site. We do. Oh, my uh, goodness gracious. As of you listening to this podcast, uh, the reveal would have been yesterday, and in that time, we've written a lot. We've already got a bunch of articles as of this recording. Mm -hmm. Go check out the site for all of our thoughts. We're going to have a lot of them. Uh, We are pumped up for the Nintendo Switch. Give us more, Nintendo. We want to know more. Yeah, and given how soon the release date is supposedly coming, uh, we they really should start fitting in a lot of stuff, and I really hope they will, in between now and the spring. Prediction, it's totally going to get delayed. <laughs> I don't think so. I really don't. Okay, moving on to stuff that is actually coming out this year, um, in theory. Roll of Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Demo's out. We've played it. We finally managed to get a good look at this game that Square Enix has been kind of uh, studiously sweeping under the rug. Yeah, um, the Funko Pop Edition Final Fantasy. 
yeah, it doesn't seem to have any kind of marketing budget whatsoever, which maybe doesn't bode super well for its prospects. It's kind of a weird niche project. Nadia, did you get to play the demo and what are your thoughts? I did indeed play it. Um, I had no idea what the hell I was doing for the longest time. I yeah. I just feel like it wasn't explained very well, but at the same time, I'm just kind of I was compelled to keep on going. And at one point, I'm just kind of standing off against a bunch of tonberries, and I have all these stupid little things on my head, these little characters, and I'm like, this is the dumbest and cutest thing I've ever played in my life. You know what they make me think of? Huh? Head crabs. <laughs> the ones from Half Life. Kind of freaking me out. I was like, why are these things like controlling the characters? It's <laughs> freaking me out. We don't go to Raven Home. <laughs> Oh my god, can you imagine like a, a, a candy-colored Half-Life by Square Enix? I would play that. I can totally imagine it. I can imagine it in my head right now. I can even imagine uh, the main character of Half-Life uh, in that kind of art style. The, yes. The super Funko Pop look. Oh, that would be amazing. And it's like, and here's the thing, I'm walking around with a Tonberry on my head, and let's be, let's be honest, Tonberries are not a lot less scary than head crabs. That, um, that's no, my I think head crabs are significantly scarier, well, but well, I have a thing against alien parasites attaching themselves to my head. Okay, in that case, I could definitely see why the head crabs would get the edge. Yes, absolutely. But I have a thing about knives. <laughs> so. Fair enough. And lanterns? <laughs> Ugh, stupid lanterns. What the hell are their deals? Alright, so World of Final Fantasy. So a few things that jump out at me. Turn-based. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, kind of Pokemon-y. Very much so with the, uh, I think they're called immersion crystals. Yes, something to that effect. And that, um, was, that was one problem I had with the, the demo was, okay, they taught you that you can capture monsters, but they don't necessarily tell you how. And I didn't find out till later that you're supposed to use Libra and cast that on the monsters, and that shows you how to kind of get the edge and hopefully encapsulate them. Yes. And then once you encapsulate them, <laughs> you keep stacking them on your head? Until, yeah, until you get a limit of three, or there's three characters, or two characters on your head, plus the head, uh, the main characters, whatever their names are. And they're the classic Final Fantasy monsters, you know, the Tomberries, and the and other things Chocobos. as well. So Chocobos, and they have uh, special powers of their own, and World of Final Fantasy kind of derives a lot of its depth from the combinations of these monsters and what strategies you can kind of undertake with them. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of a classical monster uh, catching game in that regard. But uh, I think that kind of game can work pretty well for Final Fantasy given how iconic its menagerie really is. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have to say, even though the demo was kind of, I felt like it was kind of underbaked, I feel the concept itself is enough to sell me on, on giving this game a good try when it comes out because I just love the, the fan service they have going on. Like, you walk around and you talk to... You see Squall and you see Lightning and you see, you know, Cloud and he tells you to go to hell. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so stuff like that will, will keep me going forward. And I think Square Enix knows it. Underbaked is a good word to put it. I mean, it looks <laughs> fine and everything. Yeah. But it... I don't know, like, the art style is actually very much to its benefit. It reminds me a little bit of Dragon Quest Builders. Mm -hmm. Just just a tiny bit. Um, these big-headed characters running around on this kind of... Like, how would you describe the landscape? Like, this, like, cutesy pop-up landscape? Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of, a like, a storybook. Uh, I think Bob compared it to uh, Kingdom Hearts without Disney, and he's he's probably not wrong. Yeah, he was calling it a soft reboot of Kingdom Hearts. What do you think of that? 
I never played Kingdom Hearts because it was such a convoluted what? mess by the time <laughs> I thought to even get into it. So if I'm I surprised because I would always assume that you would you would have played Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, it has all the makings of a of a game that I'd like. But I'll be honest with you, one of the big reasons I was even though I love Mario RPG, but still am a little wary of it, is because you can really sense Square wanted to get their their mythos in there above Nintendo's. And I, the way I hear it, Nintendo had to tell them, no, stop. And when I look at Kingdom Hearts, even from what I know of it, you just tell that Square Enix doesn't give that much of a damn about Donald and Goofy and, and all these, you know, uh, Disney characters. They just want to tell you a story using their characters. And that always turned me off a little bit. You know, that's absolutely true. Whenever they would go to Disney, it would usually be pretty good. But after a while, all the Disney stuff was just kind of in the background and stopped kind of mattering. Yeah, exactly. Though they did do some really cool things, like having a Steamboat Willie level in Kingdom Hearts 2 was pretty rad. Yeah, and even Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, I think they had like a, a scene with the electric parade, and I thought that looked amazing. So, But the point is, like, I'm not going to get into Kingdom Hearts 3, because by now the story's so such a mess that I have no patience or time to sit there sorting things out. I'll just start over again with Final World of Final Fantasy, which is totally their canon. They can do whatever they want with it without you know, destroying anyone else's canon, so they can go for it as far as I'm concerned, and sure, I'll come along for the ride. Yeah, I just don't care for the battle system in Kingdom Hearts, never have. Mm-hmm. I find it, I was just hacky slashy, pretty boring, to be perfectly honest. Not I'm a lot of strategy. Sorry. I mean, yeah, no, that's basically what it amounts to, and like, they will pile systems on top of systems that they have in the 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 portable versions that mm-hmm. have come out in the past few years, but... They've never been all of that interesting at the end of the day, and the certainly the story and the level design has never been enough to really keep me into it. Yeah. I, I, I was kind of out on Kingdom Hearts when I got to Monstro in the original Kingdom Hearts, and it was just the most bland, uh, multicolored chambers, like completely nondescript. Uh, ending with like a really generic battle against its heart and I'm like what okay whatever (laughs) and I was just jumping up and down slash 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 hack 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 slash 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 hack 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 oh Donald and Goofy are dizzied okay (laughs) the way you just say okay whatever that describes a lot of my encounters with with some Square Enix's bosses it's like what okay whatever but in any case uh, so this kind of interests me a little bit more than Kingdom Hearts just by virtue of the art style alone, which it's kind of funny that they can go from uber chibi to like realistic, mm-hmm. like go back and forth, and that's how you solve the puzzles. I, I think that's kind of funny, actually. It is. It definitely strikes me as a game that doesn't take itself too seriously, and I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah, I am too. No, I'm, no, the sense of humor and the cuteness definitely appeals to me, mm-hmm. as does the fan service. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. I like seeing these characters. Yeah, it's nothing special since Dissidia to see all of these characters in one place. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yep, there's the Warrior of Light. Oh, okay, yep, there's Lightning. Yep, there's, you know, so-and-so and this person. And yeah, here comes Squall and Cloud. And oh, look, Titus can do the Blitz Ball attack. That's nice. And uh, here comes all the porn fanfics again. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen the fanfiction or archive of our own for Dissidia, but it is enormous. Continuing to work toward that explicit rating. <laughs> we'll get there someday, people. We're doing it. It's going to happen. But uh, speaking of fan service, I did appreciate how Cloud was uh, dressed in his uh, Final Fantasy VII remake outfit. Yeah, no, I found that interesting. And Lightning was in her Lightning Returns outfit. Yeah, so Square Enix, they they do nurture and care for their properties. 
So I I I have fun with them. Put it that way. Final Fantasy VII Remake on Nintendo Switch. Oh my god. Portable Final Fantasy VII Remake on Good- Nintendo Switch. Goodbye world. I'm never seeing you again. We would. I would have to fly up to N- Toronto just to rescue Nadia. <laughs> Nadia's not here, man. Nadia's gone to so, live in Midgar. I see myself playing this on the Vita. I don't see myself playing this long term on the PS4. It just feels like kind of the cutesy... Uh, portable RPG that I would want to have on the go, assuming that I really got into it. Mm-hmm. I think that what I've played has some merit. It didn't really like blow me away or anything. Like the systems are fine. Uh, the art style is okay. It's cutesy and fun. Uh, it's an it's a different take on the kind of mashup of all of the different Final Fantasy like characters and properties. Uh, so it's fine. I think that in a few months we'll have forgotten about it. Yeah, I'm kind of getting that impression too. But who knows? But in the meantime, uh, cute idea. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I always appreciated from Square Enix, uh, Dissidia, even though it was like a very niche title released for very niche portable, they really went all out with the voice acting. And I think they're doing that again with this one. All right. So other demo that we have now played is... Pokemon Sun and Moon Mm -hmm. for the Nintendo 3DS. And Nadia, did you get a chance to play it? I did. I actually completed it. Um, I got a Tauros and I started ramming into everything. Yeah. I'm I'm very happy with that. (laughs) So impressions? Uh, You're very right in that it's still basic Pokemon, but with some dressing up. But I still really had a good time with the demo. I like the characters a lot. I like the setting a lot. Holy moly, I love the ride Pokemon. I cannot wait to just get my hands on those. Especially since they're replacing... I think they're replacing HMs, so no more switching back and forth through menus. Just, you want to break a rock? You get on your friggin' Tauros and go charge. Yeah, when I was interviewing the director, Shigeru Omori, which, by the way, you should go read that interview on the site. One of the big points that he made was that he really wants there to be like more natural interactions with the Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. And kind of removing that video game layer that has been in place in the series since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I've always found HMs to be kind of a artificial gate gating technique. Yeah, like, it's like, never really been that fun. It's like, and it's tedious, right? Like, it's like, oh, yep, using the HM again. Woo-hoo. Yeah, I know that IGN got they still gets a lot of flack for saying, uh, you know, seven out of ten too much water for uh, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. But I know exactly what they were talking about in that you know, switching to, you know, to swim mode just to get around on these islands, and there are many of them, that was a pain in the ass. Yeah, people were giving IGN flack for that, but let's be honest, this has been a criticism of Hoenn for, since the very beginning, okay? It's a legitimate criticism to say that Hoenn is way too water-oriented, you're fighting way too many freaking tentacles, (laughs) so people just need to calm the hell down about that one. Yeah, and I said- The Hoenn region is the worst region in the game, in the- in the entire series. Yeah, and well, I say that. Actually, next. the X and Y Kalos region might be worse. <gasps> I love Kalos, but I don't It's know. okay. It's just so nondescript like and small. I, I love swimming, and I lo- I'm a water elemental, but I did not like Hoenn. No, I, I don't think most people did. Um, it, it was redeemed a little bit in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, but yeah, by and large, like way too much surfing and diving and God knows what else going on with that series. Yeah. But uh, I am with you, Nadia. I I also completed the demo. 
mostly because I wanted to get Ash's Greninja. Yeah, I got him too. <laughs> and I loved, 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 loved being able to ride on the Tauros and like break the rocks and everything. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. This should have been in the series long time ago. It really should have. And they, they tried to do it a little bit with X and Y, I think, but they didn't live up yeah, to it. It wasn't that potential. impressive. Like, it, it was pretty, like, compared to this, it was much more limited. It really was. Yeah. You rode a goat. Yeah. <laughs> that was fine. Like, that was all you read. You rode the goat and maybe a Rhyhorn, if I recall I think correctly. there was, a, yeah, there was a Rhyhorn, but the Go-Goat is what I remember most. <laughs> Good old Go-Goat. I, I do, I do like him. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, have you seen the spoilers for the evolutions? I have. What do you think? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm considering reconsidering Litten, but I'm not sure yet. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't like the third evolution so much, but I don't hate it either. I, I'm telling you, I'll tell you what though. Everyone's dunking on uh, the Persian evolution for the Alolan form. I love that stupid fat cat. <laughs> looks like Garfield. It looks like Garfield, and it's so on purpose. And it, it, when you think about it, I mean, a real Persian—they're kind of fat, lazy cats, but they're so cute. They have these big fat faces. I think it's really funny that the demo focuses Greninja pro- uh, so prominently. Yeah. Because Greninja was the starter from the previous generation. Granted, it's one of the most popular Pokemon ever, if not the most popular. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the, a recent poll had it as the most popular Pokemon. I think you're ever. right. And I just love that Ash forgot to sign his name onto the, the letter <laughs> that you get at the beginning of the demo. It's a it's a phenomenal starter. Um I barely remember the other two starters. I remember that there was Grumpy Fox and also the little, or there was Furry Fox. Yeah, there was and... uh, Fennekin. I I was I'm a Fennekin fan, so I love Fennekin and Delphox, and uh, I can't remember what the last one's name was, but uh, I love foxes. So I I trained up a Greninja. Um, I have an actual like level 100 Greninja already that's like fully trained and everything, um, with perfect EVs and all that stuff. Of course. Um, and. So what was interesting about this demo was that the Greninja that they're offering you has this ability called Battle Bond, which is actually from the anime. Mm-hmm. Like, I found it interesting that they're like, oh, let, let's make the anime like actually kind of canon-ish. So when you kill a Pokemon, yes, kill. When you kill <laughs> one of your opponent's Pokemon, it will power up to a more powerful version to the Ashes Greninja, mm-hmm. which... I think works really well for double battles. Mm-hmm. Like that's the obvious like usage for it. it's like oh double battles or in this case totem battles. So I what I'm kind of wondering is I hope that you can breed that ability to a more powerful version of Greninja so that I don't have to keep soft resetting and starting over with this demo so that I get the right <laughs> Greninja. <laughs> Oh, is that your plan? I'm sure it is. Yeah, well, uh, if I can breed it, then that's, that would work out pretty well. But in the meantime... But I'm, what I'm kind of wondering is, like, Greninja already had, like, a pretty good ability in Protean, mm-hmm. which would change its type to whatever attack it was using to guarantee uh, same type, type attack bonus damage. Right. And that made it quite powerful. And I'm not sure that Battle Bond is necessarily worth giving up that. Yeah, I could definitely see from a competitive standpoint, you know, that would be that would definitely be a big thing to consider. Now, me, I'm just like, that looks cool. I'm keeping that. So what did you think of the trial? Um, I, really, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's, um, 
the 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 camera stuff. I'm kind of glad they included that in the demo. Uh, although I was a little surprised when I took a picture and the stupid thing attacked me. Because <laughs> I'm so used Indeed. to Pokemon Go, uh, not Pokemon Go. Well, Pokemon Go too, but like uh, Pokemon Snap, you took a picture and the, the Pokemon went on its way. But uh, no, they don't like having their picture taken in, in Sun and Moon. Indeed. All right. So Pokemon Sun and Moon, we'll have a lot more discussion about this when it comes out in a little more than a month or a little less than a month from now. Yeah, I think November 28th. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So am I. So I look forward to that then. And let's keep going. Yes. All right. So looks like we're not going to be able to do RPG pitches after all going to have to wrap up this episode a little early since it kind of ran long. Uh, But Axel Blood God is a U.S. Gamer RPG podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever RPGs are sold. Check us out on social media, U.S. Gamer Net, the Facebook, the the works. Um, We are U.S. Gamer Net on all of the cases. You can find me on Twitter at the underscore Kappa. You can find Nadia at Nadia Oxford, and you should go check out her blog, Tiny Girl, Tiny Games. Um, as I already mentioned, the Nintendo uh, the Nintendo Switch is going to, uh, has been covered extensively. We're talking about it over on US Gamer. Go check out all of our coverage. We have lots of thoughts. Uh, next week, I got a lot more content for you. Uh, Jeremy's been playing Final Fantasy 15, and he swears that he is going to be coming on the show next week to talk about it. So I'm really looking forward to that one. I also have a interview with Brian Fargo, a legendary designer from In Exile Entertainment, and he is going to tell us about Wasteland 3, as well as kind of his like history going back to his days at Interplay, working on Wasteland back in the 80s, the whole nine yards. So that'll be a lot of fun look forward to that but in the meantime i've been cat bailey and for nadia oxford thanks for listening until next time happy adventuring